Thank you. Hey, kids, how many, how many kids in here have your bags? Can, I, can you hold up your bags if you've got your bags with you? Look at that. Did they take out the fidget spinners? Because last week, y'all dropped them about a thousand times. <laughs> Maybe you didn't notice. Did you notice? <laughs> Mr. Tim noticed. <laughs> well, kids, I wanted to let you know there are some worksheets in there. So as, we, as I'm talking today, you can color the sheet or you can fill out your sermon notes. And at the end, if you take it to the door, Miss Betty has a prize for you if you have done your sermon notes, okay? So right now, uh, we are having everybody in here together. So um, we're really happy to have all the kids with us, but we want to keep them entertained a little bit. So um, a little bit later, I'm going to need a couple volunteers, okay? So be thinking about if you want to do that. Um, we're so excited, again, to have you all with us. We have been talking over the last couple of weeks, looking at the promised land, um, when in the book of Deuteronomy and Numbers and Joshua, when the children of Israel stepped into the promised land. And part of why we've done that is because getting into this building has been a really big deal. This has been kind of our journey as a church from the moment that we started. We really believe that God had a location for us in the center of our town, and we really worked for years trying to get this, this building, and it looked many times like it wasn't going to happen. It was definitely not a road from here to there. It was definitely windy and curvy, and yet us stepping into this building at this time has just been the fulfillment of a promise that God made us. And I think it's really important for us to take those kind of moments to just remember that God is a God who keeps his promises. He just does. And sometimes the promises take longer than we thought. Sometimes the road to get there is a lot windier than we ever would have imagined or hoped for or enjoyed in any way, shape, or form. But he keeps his promises. And so if God has given you something to hold on to, I just want to encourage you today, don't give up for that promise that God has given you. God is a God who keeps his promises. And today we are going to look in the book of Deuteronomy. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you want to look in your phone, Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 25. I want to take a few minutes and share about a passage of scripture that I stumbled upon this week that was really meaningful to me. I was reading in one of my devotional books, uh, Streams in the Desert, which is one of my favorite books to read in the morning. And this verse was a part of the devotional that I read this week, and it just ministered to me, and I wanted to share a little bit about it today. It says this, Deuteronomy 33:25, the bolts of your gates will be iron and bronze, and your strength will equal your days. Isn't that a great little passage? Your strength will equal your days. What a beautiful thought. And this is a little bit of what the devotional said. It said, the Lord imparts to me the underlying strength of character that gives me the necessary energy and decision-making ability to live my life well. And the strength that he gives is continuous, for he is a source of power that I cannot exhaust. Isn't that a beautiful word? God is a source of power that I cannot exhaust. It does not run out. He never changes. Your strength will equal your days. And I love that God gives us all kinds of promises all over Scripture according to our needs, right? He sees our need, and then he gives us a promise. God knew that we need a, a Savior, someone to save us from our sins. And so he sent Jesus to save us because he knew we could not save ourselves. 
God knows that we need provision, that our daily needs need providing. And so he promises us, he makes a promise to us for provision. He says, you don't have to worry. I promise you, I'm always going to give you what you need. He sees our need, and therefore he gives a promise. God knows that we need healing and wisdom and all kinds of other things, and so he makes those promises in Scripture. But to me, one of the things that I love is that there's something really beautiful and intimate about the fact that God promised us strength, that he knows how weak we are, that he knows that things are going to be hard, that he knows we will face hardship and challenges, and he promises us you will always have the strength that you need to endure whatever hardship there is. That is a very comforting thought to me. Have you ever been upset about something and you're kind of trying to be brave and hold it all together, and then maybe just someone comes up to you and puts their arm on your shoulder and says, how you doing? Are you okay? Or I know it's hard. And you immediately fall to pieces. Does anybody experience that? Okay, good. Not just me. Yes! It's just the weirdest phenomenon. I just had a really stressful few uh, weeks at my job, my other job, And it was just a really busy season, and there was a lot going on, and it was a lot of really intense things happening. And I was holding on really, really, really well and doing really well. And then I, um, the day after a lot of this was over, I was sitting at a prayer meeting, and my dad walked in, and he sat down next to me. And he put his arm around me, and I just turned into a puddle. Like, I was bawling my eyes out, and he was like, what's the matter? What did I do? What happened? And I'm like, nothing. Nothing's wrong. I don't know what the problem is. And all of a sudden, I went, oh, wait, this is the person who takes care of me. All of a sudden, I've been holding it all in. And that, to me, is what this feels like when God says, I know you're going to need strength. It's okay that you're not strong all the time. I know that you're going to need it. It's okay. I promise to provide strength. I love that God promises that. Isaiah 40, 27 through 31 says this, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard, have you never understood that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depth of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. It's one of the promises I'm most grateful for. And if I'm honest, it's probably one of the most promises that I claim as my own, right? Driving to work. Okay, Lord, thank you that you have promised me that I will have the strength I need to get through this day. Or, Lord, I feel like I don't have the strength I need to get through one more thing. God, I thank you that you have promised you will give that to me. Or thanking him for being my strength when I was at the end of my rope. God promises to give his people strength. 
So I wanted to dig a bit deeper into this verse in Deuteronomy because I think there are a few things in there that we can learn a little bit more from. So in this chapter of the Bible, Deuteronomy 33, we are seeing the children of Israel are just about to step into the promised land. Actually, the next chapter is when Moses dies, the person who has led the people all the way this far. And then we move right into the book of Joshua, which is the people entering the land and conquering all the cities. So this is right where we're at in the story. And in chapter 33 of Deuteronomy, we read Moses' very last words. These are the last words that he says. And what he does is he takes time and he speaks a blessing over every one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, we've studied a little bit about this when we were talking about Joseph a few months ago. We talked about the 12 tribes of Israel were actually the 12 sons of Jacob. And they ended up becoming the division of all of these people. And so the 12 tribes of Israel were how the Israelites had organized themselves. And so you can imagine that right now here in Deuteronomy 35, this is a really important moment. Not only are they getting ready to step into the promised land, which God had promised their ancestors 400 years earlier, They have been in the wilderness for 40 years. They're standing right at the banks of the Jordan River, and their feet are just about to cross into it. But also Moses is not going to go with them. Moses is about to die. This man who has led them out of the Red um, Egypt, crossing the Red Sea, through the wilderness, this is his last moment. They're getting ready to go in without Moses, but he takes a moment And he speaks a blessing over every one of those tribes. And every one of the blessings was different. It was different. It was something very specific for each one of those tribes. For Reuben, he prays that although they are few in number, that they would not die out. Over the tribe of Judah, he's asked that God would bring them together as a people and help them defend themselves against their enemies. To the tribe of Levi, who were the Levites, they were the priests. He asked God to bless the ministry of the Levites and accept the work of their hands. To the tribe of Benjamin, he prayed a very specific prayer of protection and safety. It was different than what he prayed over the other people. He prayed that over Benjamin. Then he blessed the tribe of Joseph, which had been divided into two different tribes because they received a double blessing because of the faithfulness of Joseph. And so Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, became those two tribes. Then he went on to bless Zebulon and Ishtar and Gad and Nat and Dan and Naphtali. And when we get to verse 24 and 25, which is our verse for today, he is now blessing the tribe of Asher. And so the blessing that I read you earlier is actually the blessing of Asher. And so I want to read the whole entirety of this blessing to you. So in verse 24, it says, About Asher, he said, Most blessed of sons is Asher. Let him be favored by his brothers, and let him bathe his feet in oil. The bolts of your gates will be iron and bronze, and your strength will equal your days. So there's our verse. So I want to unpack it a little bit and see why was Asher given this specific blessing and how can it apply for us today? So the first part of that blessing is a little weird. Let him bathe his feet in oil. Now that seems like a strange thing to say to someone, but this was a significant blessing. He was blessing that he was going to have a fruitful life and that the place that he was going to live would produce an abundance of oil. And this prophetic blessing was remarkably fulfilled. The land, once they got in the promised land that was given to Asher, 
was a land that had groves and trees and olives, which then created olive oil. Joshua assigned Asher the western and coastal Galilee, a region with comparatively low temperatures, much rainfall, making it some of the most fertile land in Canaan with rich pastures, woodland hills, and orchard. And in the future, this land was particularly prosperous and known for its olive oil. Kids, do you know how they make olive oil back then? Anybody have an idea? What would they do to the olives? They'd squish them with what? What do you think? Your feet? How many of you have ever stepped on an olive and squished it? You should go home and try that today after church. Say, Pastor Christy said, I should try squishing an olive with my feet and see what happened. Because what they would do is they would take olives and then they would put them in these big cisterns and they would stomp on them and then it would produce olive oil. And so that is what ended up happening to Asher. In the future, the land of Asher was particularly prosperous and known for its olive oil. Now, I think it's pretty cool that Moses gave this blessing and said, may your feet drip with oil. Even though Asher was not actually going to take possession of that land many, many years later by Joshua, there's no way that Moses could have known that this land was going to have olives. There's no way he would have known that. But the blessing speaks to it anyway. I think that's really cool. If you want to see something even cooler, if you turn all the way back to Genesis 49, when Jacob, who was Asher's father, when he was about to die, he did the same thing that Moses did. He stopped and he spoke a blessing over each of his sons. And here is what Jacob said over Asher in Genesis 49:20. Asher will dine on rich foods and produce food fit for a king. Isn't that incredible? God knew all the way back here, before they were even slaves in Egypt, before they ever escaped through the Red Sea, before they even put one foot in the wilderness, before they put one foot in the promised land, that someday they would walk into the promised land and the tribe of Asher would settle in a place where there would be groves of olive trees that would produce incredible fruit. Isn't that incredible? All the way back then, this was spoken. So let me tell you this. Do not wonder if God knows what he is doing with your life. Do not question if God has a plan or a purpose. Do not wonder if God has forgotten about the details of your life. There is not one nugget of where you are, of where you live, of who you're becoming, of what you're going to do, that God is not actively moving in. God knows what he's doing. He has a perfect plan, and he is carefully executing every single detail. If he could look hundreds of years to know that Asher's ancestors would end up in galaxy, in Galilee, galaxy, maybe we watched Star Wars yesterday, I don't know, then he most certainly knows where he is taking you. And he most certainly knows where he's taking your family. And he most certainly knows where he is taking your children. There is not one detail of your life that God is not fully immersed in and working out for your good and benefit. Do not let the enemy convince you that you are just out there wandering aimlessly. God has a plan. 
God knows what he's doing, and God will get you where you need to go if you continue to trust in him and allow him to lead you. So the first part of Asher's blessing is that you will bathe your feet in olive oil. Second, let's look at the second part in verse 25. It says, the bolts of your gates will be iron and bronze, and your strength will equal your days. Now, at first glance, it seems that they're talking about fortified gates around the city that would be impenetrable by the enemies, or that the promise was that nothing would ever be able to get to you. The gates would be strong and fortified so that you will never have to face an enemy. But as I dug into different translations, I found something really interesting. The original Hebrew and older translations don't say the word gates. They say the word shoes. Interesting, right? Not your gates will be strong, your shoes will be strong. Your shoes will be iron and bronze, and as your days, so shall your strength be. Another version says, your sandals shall be iron and bronze, and as your days, so shall your strength be. Now that seems like a weird thing to have such a different translation, but the word here can be translated into buckles or bolts, and it was actually considered the buckles on a pair of shoes that would be strong. Some translators believe that it's not your gates will be iron and bronze, but that your shoes will be iron and bronze. Any kids here today have iron or bronze shoes? Just take a look, double check. Anybody, anybody? Nobody? Okay, good to know. Sounds heavy to me, right? Yeah, that doesn't sound like much fun. So what does it mean? Why would you have shoes made of iron? Now, I know one thing. It's very important to have the right shoes for the right job, right? Um, About a year ago, Jeff and I were up in Niagara Falls with our family, visiting Jeff's family. And they're the kind of family that when they're on vacation, they want to hike and do all the things. My family, we want to do puzzles and eat snacks. Who are our snacks and puzzles people? Who are the hikers and... Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I know, because I'm married into one of those. And so, of course, we show up to meet his brother and his wife, and I'm thinking, great, where are we going to lunch? And they're like, oh, no, we're going to hike down to the falls. And I had on flip-flops, because I just thought we were going to go eat food. (laughs) I didn't think much of it. And so Jeff kept going. You know how husbands get when you're with your in-laws, and he's kind of like trying to make it seem okay. And so he kept going, are you sure? And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I can, I can hike in flip-flops. It's no problem at all. And so we start going down. Well, pretty soon the terrain is like this, and my feet are sliding out from under me, and I'm getting madder and madder and like, your family, <laughs> you know, and I'm just getting madder. And finally, Jeff's like, let's switch. Here you go. And so he gave me his tennis shoes, like very chivalrous, and we switched. But I had the wrong shoes for the wrong thing. And how many of you know that that is just not a good idea? So I thought maybe we would play a little game. So I need a volunteer. You want to come help me? Okay, come on up. I'm going to need my table. So those, whoever is going to help bring a table, come on up. McKenna, right? Okay, I always get you and your sister mixed up. You want to tell everybody how old you are? Seven. Seven? Have you ever had iron or bronze shoes? No. Do you think that iron or bronze shoes would be fun? Not really. Not really. Okay. Well, we're going to do something because it's very important that you have the right shoes for the right job. So I brought some different pairs of shoes from my house today, okay? We have lots of different kinds of shoes. That's Uncle Jeff's. Um, couple different things like this. And what I'm going to do is I have it written on here. 
some, what they're for. And I'm going to put these signs out, but you can't see. And you're going to have to guess and match the shoe to the right sign. But you're not going to be able to tell which ones. We're going to see if you can just guess, okay? All right. So you can look at the shoes. I'm going to put these out. You might need help here. I can't reach. What do you think? Think she's going to get them? Yep. Okay. So McKenna, do you know what kind of shoe this is? Do you know what that's for? I don't know. That's for snowboarding. Have you ever been snowboarding? No? Okay. Well, what I want you to do is I want you to put this behind what you think it might be. You have to just guess. Okay? Okay, go ahead. We need music. Okay. These are my dirty rain boots that I use for gardening. See if you can find the right one for that. Okay, these are Pastor Jeff's golf shoes. Do you want to smell them? <laughs> you think they smell good? Probably not. Okay, go ahead. These are Pastor Jeff's work boots. He's worn them here at the building a lot, but they also could be maybe for hiking. Do you want to smell those? No, okay. She's passing on all the smelly shoes. Okay, what do you think this is? A snow boot? A snow boot, that's right. Okay. Let's see if you can find the right one. Okay. These are mine. They smell like flowers and roses. My, my feet don't stink, you think? Maybe, oh, maybe a little. Okay, that's a running shoe. Where do you think that should go? Let's be clear, I don't run very often. Unless I'm being chased. <laughs> okay, this is for, this is a cleat for baseball or something maybe? Okay, see if you can figure out where that goes. All right, what do you think you wear these for? Um, for like the beach or something. A beach is perfect, because you don't want sand in your shoes. Okay, last one. It's a pretty fancy one. I haven't worn those for a few years. I don't get out much. Okay, should we go down and look and see how you did? Okay, let's go see if you have the right shoes for the right job. It's very important. Okay, we've got your beach shoe. This is to a party. Would you wear these to a party? No? Maybe, my kids would. Okay, a hiking boot. Do you think that would be very fun, hiking in that? No. Okay, golf. Hey, that was not horrible. You could maybe golf in that. Um, this says beach on it. Would you like to wear these to the beach later today? Would that be fun? It might be, you might get sand stuck in there. Let's go see what else we have. Snow, look it! Hey, give her a hand. You got snow right. And running. Look at you got running right too. Let's see, baseball. What do you think about playing baseball in these? Might be hard. Rain boots. I've never worn these in the rain, but I'm guessing I might fall if I wore those. And what's the last one? Snowboarding. Well, you could try maybe. I don't know. Well, you did a good job. Can everybody give McKenna a hand? <laughs> it's important to have the right shoes for the right job, right? If you know, if you wear the wrong shoes for the wrong thing, you're going to have a bad day. <laughs> 
So when the blessing of Asher says, your shoes shall be iron and bronze, what does that mean? It means that the territory of Asher wasn't just fertile land for growing olive trees. It also was the long, rocky coast of the Mediterranean Sea, a coast that would have had sharp rocks and lots of places that could have cut your feet. And the roads that they would walk on would be rough and jagged, kind of like if you walked out on the hot asphalt today with no shoes on. The bottoms of your feet would burn. And so sometimes people would take iron or bronze and melt it down and coat the bottom of their sandals. Or they would stick iron and brass nails into the bottom of their shoes to give them traction when they were walking on slippery rocks. So this blessing meant this. You may have to travel on some rocky places, but I will always make sure you have the right shoes on your feet at the right time. One commentator said, God gives us an equipment of strength proportioned to our work, shoes fit for our road. God does not turn people out to scramble over rough mountains with thin-soled boots on. So Asher had to be shod for rough roads. And so each of us may be sure that if God sends us on a stony path, he will provide us with strong shoes and will not send us out on any journey for which he does not equip us well. So this blessing of Asher is beautiful when he says, your shoes are going to be made of iron. You might have to walk on a slippery path, but be clear, I will help your feet not slip. We need different kinds of strength, right? Some days we need strength that is just pure energy, like, Lord, just get me out of this house. Get me out of bed, Lord. I just need that kind of strength. Other days we need tenacity. God, I need the strength to not give up because today I just feel like I want to give up. Other days, we need the strength of contentment, of, Lord, I feel so unsettled, and I don't understand what I'm doing. And the strength that we need imparted is contentment. Sometimes the strength we need is just pure bravery and courage. Every one of those things is a different shoe. And God knows what shoe you need what day. He gives us the exact portion of strength that we need for whatever it is that we are facing. Your strength will equal your days. So the blessing of Asher could be summed up like this. Asher, I'm going to give you wonderful land with lots of good things in it, but there are also going to be rocky places in it. Those cannot be avoided, but I promise to always give you everything you need to endure the rocky hard places, and as long as you're alive, you will have all the strength that you need. Amen, Emmy. <laughs> Whatever you're facing today, you can know this. There will be enough strength today to get through it. And you can know that tomorrow, there will be enough strength to get through it. And the next day, and the next day, and even though, uh, though you might have needed an enormous amount of strength yesterday, and today you're feeling there can't possibly be any way that I could face this again, there will be strength to equal your days, and God will be with you. There will be adequate, adequate supply for today and for tomorrow. 
And maybe you have needed an incredible amount of strength for this last season of life you've been on. And you thought, okay, wow, okay, that took a lot and I made it here. And now you find yourself thinking, how do I even go on? Your strength will equal your days. It is an inexhaustible resource. It doesn't matter if you used so much up the last three months just surviving. There will be strength to get through the summer. There will be strength for the fall. And it'll be different. It'll be exactly what you need at the exact right moment. You will be equipped for whatever you face. And your heavenly Father will provide your feet with whatever they need to be able to walk the road ahead of you with confidence and provision. So I want to leave you with three scriptures today that really talk about this point. I encourage you to jot them down, and maybe this week you can read them again. You can look them up, underline them in your Bible as an encouragement to you. Psalm 121, 1 through 3 says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. And 2 Samuel 22 says, God is my strong fortress. He makes my way perfect. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. He trains my hands for battle, and he strengthens my arm to draw a bronze bow. You have given me your shield of victory, and help has made me great. You have made a wide path for my feet to keep them from slipping. And Psalm 66, 8 and 9 says, Praise our God, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard, for he has preserved our lives and has kept our feet from slipping. No matter what you face, God has got you. Your foot will not slip. Your strength will not run out. There will be enough for today, and there will be enough for tomorrow. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so grateful that you know us so well. You know our frailty. You know our weakness. And, Father, there's such comfort in knowing that you know our frames. You know exactly how this life is, how hard it is, how weary it gets. And yet, you have promised to give us strength. That we can come to you when we are feeling broken down, when we are feeling like we don't know what step to take. And that you have promised that there will be enough strength for our days. So, Lord, I lift up those today that maybe have been walking a journey for a long time and they're tired. God, I pray that you would give them exactly what they need today and then exactly what they need tomorrow so that their foot would not slip. I thank you that you can give them exactly the right thing, that the shoe you put on their foot is the exact right thing to help them walk uprightly and on the road you have for them. Lord, I pray against discouragement today for those that feel like they've just gone through so much that they just can't face another thing. In Jesus' name, I pray that hope would rise up and they would know that you have promised that strength will equal our days. And if they are alive and breathing, there is strength left. That it is an inexhaustible resource. So we fix our eyes on you, Jesus. We ask you to come, Holy Spirit, Fill up all the places that feel weak. Lord, fill up the places that feel weary. 
I thank you, Lord, that your strength is perfect and it's made perfect in our weakness. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things. Amen.